Welcome back to another episode of the Richard and Big Footy Tiger Cast. Uh, tonight we've just got the, the one guest on, um, as Shin has had a, a couple of technical issues, unfortunately, but we'll get him on later on in the year. But we're joined by a reoccurring guest, and I should have clarified your username again, because I know I'm going to say it wrong because of the sweet <laughs> FA. I'm going to blame them straight up. Um, yeah. so they've gotten me into saying Tiasta as a bit of a, a fancy way, but is it Tijasta? Is that what you wanted to it be? Is, it is Tijasta, yes. Tijasta, there we go. So welcome to the show, mate. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me once again, Michaels. No dramas at all. Before we get stuck into the review of the Geelong game, not that there's a hell of a lot to talk about on that front, um, I'm tipping you've obviously seen a bit of the social media talk recently about the newfound security and police <laughs> presence at games that's sort of taken the AFL by storm, and not just our game, but all games across um, the round. It's getting a bit out of control. Mm. Yes, it's getting a bit, um, bit scary. I think, for us supporters that just go to the footy to barrack, um, being kicked out of the stadium for cheering too loud. And I think one one that was at the Carlton game where the umpire got called a bald-headed flog. Yeah, from a bald-headed person, mind you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, like, it's fine if it's, like, racist or homophobic or something, but that's just overkill, I would imagine. Yeah. Most people believe. And the one you mentioned before about for cheering too loud, that was from yesterday's game, Collingwood versus mm. Melbourne. Um, I saw the tweet about it from a spectator who was two rows away, which I'm sure most people have seen floating around the various social platforms. But uh, the gentleman was approached by six police officers and told he was cheering too loud. And I think he rightfully asked the question, well, was I swearing? And like, no. Was I being racist? No. And then he's like, well, what have I done wrong? And they said, like, you're just cheering too loud. you just got to tone it down a bit. And if you do it again, you're going to be kicked out. And the poor bloke, and I don't blame him, sat there in silence for the rest of the game in fear of being kicked out. Um, mm. And he's even sort of thinking that potentially in future games that they're going to keep a close eye on him because they know where he sits now. It's just getting... It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing that's remained constant in our game over the past 161 years is laying the barrack as barrack. And I think the AFL is at crossroads here where they're going to lose them if this continues because that's just absolutely ridiculous to have six police officers going over someone that's not doing anything wrong yeah like you said if he was swearing or doing whatever i think most people would be pretty understanding if they were approached by security if they were yeah swearing or being racist or rude because it's it's a family sport at the end of the day they want people to bring their kids and um you got to always have that in mind and you shouldn't be swearing or being racist towards anyone really so but the fact he was just cheering his team because they got a goal uh that's just next level stuff and I mean, there's been a lot of stuff on Facebook, and granted, I only obviously follow mainly Richmond people on there, but uh, Trout's even been fired up about it because our yes, squad's um, been targeted. Um, I and I think I, I don't know if it was him or if it was just a Richmond supporter nearby. I mean, the papers have said it's the cheer squad, but he kind of seems to say otherwise, um, saying that there's been undercover integrity officers or spotters at present at our game since about round five, pointing people out and taking photos and sending it off to the AFL to try and get people banned. Uh, I've, it, I've just never, ever known anything like this to happen in any sport. I mean, yeah. no disrespect to A-League, but and I like soccer, but they're, they're probably a lot more rowdy in the oh, way of chance and, and the way they sort of go about stuff than what the cheer squads are, I would have thought. Yeah, that, 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 uh, the stuff about the undercover security officers and spotters, that's some weird 1984 stuff there, and I didn't imagine that coming into the AFL especially into the cheer squad. Um, but it's just showing that the AFL's losing touch with fans. 100%. And 
people are starting to talk about taking action of some kind, whether that's, I mean, I threw out a few ideas on Twitter, just sort of spitballing with a few people. You could have a f- five minutes of just dead silence or the cheer squad not waving flags or banners, but Trout sort of informed me that that actually breaks sort of cheer squad club rules, so they probably can't do oh, that. Okay. Um, someone else suggested that people could turn their backs on play for five or ten minutes. They're just something to send a message out because it's getting out of control. And I know there's the AFL Fans Association, but uh, I think they're talking about I know Trout floated the idea of doing something in round 17, 2020, but to be honest, that's far too late because the AFL yeah. will, will know that by then it's going to blow over and no one's going to care. You, you have to, if you want to send a message, it's got to be now while it's a current issue. All the media are all over it. So whatever mm-hmm. someone or a group of supporters do, as long as it's legal and doesn't hurt anyone or whatever, it will get attention. Um, and the AFL are very much about protecting their brand. And they've oh, made definitely. that very clear. So if they know something's going to happen to their brand that might get broadcast worldwide, they might act on it. Yeah, well, how about having like a walkout like the A-League did, the A-League did a couple of years ago? Something like that would be catastrophic, especially with our large crowds. If we can get supporters to do that, maybe that's the solution to this because, yeah, it's I doubt that the AFL are going to back down anytime soon knowing their stubbornness. A few people said that. Uh, some, I mean, I'm not totally across how that one worked, but the way someone wrote it was that it got to a certain point in the match and everyone walked out and, and literally yeah. watched the rest of it on a big screen outside. Is that, does that sound about right? Yeah, I think it was at half-time of um, a Melbourne victory match. The fans walked out and watched it outside of Eddie Had, I mean, Marvel. Um, so, it's yeah, pretty that powerful be, when that, that many people band together. Massive. Yeah, especially for... Us, which gets much bigger crowds than A League does, you know, yeah. having 30,000, 40,000 people walk would be just catastrophic. And I suppose the thing about doing it that way is at least by turning up initially, if it's our home game or another team's home game, whatever it might be, they haven't been punished financially for it because we don't, we don't want to hurt the clubs because it's not the club's fault. It's not, no, of course not. We don't want to disadvantage them in any way at all. So, the at reason least why we're still here is because of the clubs. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we don't want to dis- disturb them. So as long as everyone's initially turning up, at least they're still showing their support for the teams, whoever you support. But it's just mm-hmm. interesting that this is a, a topic that is literally uniting fans from all different teams. Like you're seeing people from all different clubs agreeing with each other that for 98% of the season, otherwise would hate each other's guts. Mm. Yeah, well, it's yeah when the, when the AFL starts turning the fans on each other... Um, I would imagine this would happen because we have little to no voice currently. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if something happens from a club soon, whether it's ours or someone else's, I'm not too sure. But the AFL have to get the message they can't be this protective. Um, Stamp Mm. out racism, stamp out swearing at people, that's fine. No one's going to begrudge them for doing that. But, yeah, for cheering your team on in a normal manner because they got a goal, give us a break. Yeah. I suppose we better talk about the game that we had against Geelong. Uh, start, we started off all right, didn't we, in the first quarter? We looked pretty good. Yeah, well, I think that's why I was... When I was going into the game, I thought that this would probably occur. Um, but I was a little disappointed because we did just start off really well. That was like 2017-like with our pressure and our tackling. And then it just all of a sudden fell after the second quarter. And to, I know that we, I think we we're only two goals, one at quarter time, but we probably kicked a few out in the full that we should have converted. Yeah. But we potentially could have been five goals up, and the mentality between the two teams would change dramatically if that was the case. Yeah, well, that's pretty normal, us kicking easy goals out in the full points. But still, it's just that 
momentum killer after the second at the start of the second quarter. I think got us. Yeah, and, it, and as we all know, it turned out being a 67 point loss. And to be fair, that probably flattered us a little bit at the end of the day. The I know people were kind of talking about how good our last quarter was, but when you look no. back at it, Geelong really had the cue on the rack. I felt yeah, in the last well, quarter they'd done they enough. Have... Selwood and Danger didn't play for about three quarters of it. Yeah, well, exactly. They didn't have anything to play for after the fourth. There was no point of trying, I would imagine, from Geelong. But it's the um, it's the contested ball, I reckon, that's killing us. And I don't know whether it's because of the personnel that aren't in the middle, but mm-hmm. I feel like our midfield is probably almost our strongest part on the ground with people back in, bar Kane Lambert, I guess, who's, who's obviously mm-hmm. missing. But we lost it by 33, and this is starting to become a pretty bad habit for us. Yeah, this is, this is something that's occurred over the past two years anyway it's just um and we're getting better at it, especially when we had to gloss in but it's just something that we can't seem to get a hold of and it's costing us now it wasn't costing us last year but now because we can't get it off half back it is yeah and the flow on effect from having a really inexperienced backline means that their opposition forwards are getting the ball in really quickly um and not giving us a chance to set up. And I felt so bad for Garthwaite. Like, people were shit counting him. It's like, the bloke's played less than 20 games. He's on Tom Hawkins, and our midfield's applying zero pressure. What's he yeah, meant yeah. to do? Like, Alex Rance wouldn't have stopped half of the balls that come his way uh, on Friday night. And, yeah, I feel bad for him. But, yeah, it's just unfortunate that we're not applying that right amount of pressure to win the contested ball because we're really hurting ourselves. Mm, yeah, well, Garth is a—he's a skinny dude. He's pretty easy to push out. Like, yeah, it's um. I think that if you're looking at Garth being the problem, I think you're looking in the wrong area. Yeah, definitely agree. And I think one of the other big problems we had was it felt like not not enough players got involved with the footy. Townsend mm. had three disposals, Soldo seven, Bolter seven, Lynch nine, and Butler seven. Uh, to have that many players under ten possessions, I would hazard a guess that more often than not, you won't win the game. Yeah, it's pretty appalling. Um, I reckon um, Butler, that, that terrible kick at the second quarter straight to the opposition. Just oh, momentum killer. Made, yeah, just, yeah, that was what killed us. That's when I said, all right, we're going to lose this now. Yeah. And that happened. It was just one of those 2016 characteristic oh. type kicks, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just, yeah, I felt like I was watching a game in 2016 with um, what I did see. And Bolter, I actually feel sorry for. I only got he only got the seven touches, but and I've been told that the club view him as a long term defensive prospect. But I don't think that's the right call. You can't yeah. lock up someone with that much freakish athleticism, um, and, and it's, it's a bit of chaos to be honest. Like often he doesn't even know what he's going to do, but that can sometimes be an advantage to us because if he doesn't know, then the other team's got no idea either. But to chain him up in defence, I think is going to really turn him into half the footballer he could be. Yeah, I think I think um, Bolter's not a defender. It's pretty obvious. He's been tried there a couple of times this year. I think in the GWS game and the Bulldogs game. I think for the other ones, and he's just not there. You, you need to have him down forward or at least on the wing or something to show off that speed and run. Uh, granted, we kind of had no choice but to play him there this week because mm. of our out. So that, I mean, that's fine for those kind that's of one-off true. occasions. You can you can wear it, but I really hope the club sort of don't view this as a long-term option because. No. It's. I don't think it's in our best interest or his. Um, no. Tom Lynch, he kicked, I think, what, two goals? In a lot of behinds, a couple out in the full. What did you make of his game? I'm a bit um, lenient on Lynch compared to some of our posters. I think I think mainly he's also been affected by injuries because he was 
coming, I would assume he would come into the club, you know, he was no longer the main man like he was at Gold Coast for thing. He had to evolve there, and then all of a sudden he's injured, and now he has to do it. But the poor bloke's coming off a of PCL. He's got usually three or four blokes on him. He's he's still learning the game plan. I think in some of our posters have been quite um quite criticism, quite critical of him. But I yeah. think that's um I think that's misguided too. I think he's just still covering and still learning. And not to mention um, he's training once a week, which doesn't help. Mm. And I know these all sound like excuses, but they're all pretty valid as well at the same time. Yeah. And our delivery to the forward line, and we it know from shocking. seeing Jack Rewood having to put up with it year after year. Yeah. It just, I think people need to understand that Jack is a more aerial kind of a con- like contested marker than what Tom Lynch is. So they're two completely different players, but Lynch is being asked to play Rewalt's role, which doesn't suit him whatsoever. No. Um, and I tend to think that... Ball. No, no, that's right. And and that's all our midfielders and forwards know in terms of getting it inside 50. So it's hard for him to adjust. And I, I tend to think that if Rewalt was fit throughout the year, I'm pretty confident Lynch would have missed a couple of games by now just to help with the recovery of his injury. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know more about the club than me <laughs> inside. Hopefully, yeah, he can get back on track. And yeah, I feel bad for the criticism he cops. And end of the day, he's still, what, top six or seven in the Coleman. So he's yeah, still he's still goals. He's still but, fourth, and he still shows a bit of mongrel. You know, he flies the yeah. flag, but yeah. Right. For me, though, it was the the easy missed goals that were probably more annoying because they are the regulation yes. ones he should be kicking. The, the effort and the marking around the ground, I can cop. Uh, that's fine. Mm. But when he does get his chances, he needs to be making the most of them, uh, especially oh, with the plays we've got missing. Yes, yes. And what about young Paddy Nash? Made his debut on the weekend. He had 20 disposal and he kicked a, a pretty good goal early on in the game. How did you see his performance? He was, he was very good. One, uh, sort of like Sydney Stack in the GWS game, he was a shining light on what was for else a terrible night. Um, you reckon you reckon he'll be a small forward like his dad was, or do you reckon he'll be on the wing? I don't know. I think long-term, it depends on what happens with Brandon Ellis, because okay, I think yeah, he's true. probably going to occupy the wing for the time being. But I liked Nation on the wing. Um, yeah, I suppose yeah. the knock that he's had from a, from VFL level was his defensive work, but he laid a few good tackles early on, so I don't think that's going to be an issue for him. But mm. um, I don't know. If he plays in the forward line as a half-forward, is that at the expense of like a Butler, like a Stagner or a Higgins, or who would he sort of replace? Oh, hopefully Butler. <laughs> hopefully Butler. <laughs> but I think he's definitely a good long-term prospect, and I know a lot no, of definitely. us have been watching him in the VFL for a while and sort of how skinny he was when he got there and would he ever put the size on, but he looked pretty comfortable, I thought, at the top level. Against a good side, too. Geelong were outstanding, so to perform like that against a quality outfit is, is a good effort. Yeah, um, I, he got caught a couple of times with the speed of the game, but that's pretty normal with um, oh, absolutely. new recruits, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it always well. They always say they always think they've got half a second extra at the yeah. AFL level compared to VFL when they don't, and he'll learn from that. And to be honest, a lot of our other guys still do the same thing, and they've played <laughs> you know 50 games. Butler's got the least aware spatial awareness I've ever oh, seen yes. in my life. That was Baker back in the Hawthorne game. That was yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, so everyone's prone to it, and yeah, that's yeah. fine. He'll, he'll learn from that. But yeah, I thought I thought he was quite good. Before we take a look at the Adelaide game, uh, we've just had the the alert come through from the AFL app giving us an update on our ever-growing injury list. So we'll, we'll run through that quickly. David Asprey, hamstring one week. I think a few of us were hopeful he might Oof. come back this week, but that's going to cause us quite a few issues, which we'll talk about shortly for the Crows. 
Luke English, shoulder, three to five weeks. Kane Lambert, Achilles, one to two weeks. We need him back pretty desperately. No. Uh, Dustin Martin with the corky. They've got him down as a test, but I think Damien Hardwick said today that he got through what was required of him and they believe he will play. Uh, so okay. fingers crossed that happens. Callum okay. Moore with an ankle injury, five to seven weeks. Toby Nankervis, adductor, three to five weeks. Um, Ali and Pickett, finger, seven to nine weeks, which we knew about prior to picking him up. <laughs> Alex Rance, knee season. I still don't fully buy into it's the season, I think. No, well, if, they, if it was a season, they would probably pull him on long-term injury, you would imagine. Yeah, agree. I, I think they're holding out hope. Um if we do make finals, that he can come back and play a part, which would be massive. And you mm. back the club in, they're not going to do anything stupid. If he's no. not right to go, they're not going to play him because why would you put yeah. a whole another year in jeopardy? But if he's good to go, I wouldn't be shocked to see the number 18 back out there. Uh, Jack Rewalt, PCL, he's now listed as three to five weeks, and I could have sworn last week he was at three to four. So I'm not sure what's happening now. I know you mentioned that um, off-air there's, was a few complications with the recovery, but yeah, we heard of setbacks or something along that length. I mean, we can only just hope that they're being ultra conservative to make sure he's right for the back stretcher games. Because if we don't get these guys back with enough time, we might not make it. No, no. Uh, Jack Ross ankle three to five weeks. And he's another one. I know he's a first year player, but he's another one that would almost slot straight back in. Like you were saying before with his contested work. Yeah, yeah, he's he's was really the guy that was bringing the getting a lot of the contested ball, and that's what we need. That's what we're missing currently. Uh, Jaden Short elbow two to three weeks. I kind of feel like he's a, a little bit of the forgotten man. I know Stack's come in done a, a pretty good job. Yeah. Uh, Hawley's been in career best form, but when Jaden Short's fit and ready to come back in, who does he replace? Because there will be just piles of manure dumped at punt right if they drop Sydney Stack for him. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very good question, and I'm not sure, but would you put him in the forward line? Because we've seen last year he can kick a goal from pretty far out on that, and he's pretty speedy on that half-forward flank. That's not a bad call, because when you sort of compare short to stack, because they're probably playing in each other's position, stack, mm. is, I feel, probably does a lot more defense, actual defensive things like spoiling and contested marking a lot better than short does. I feel like he gets lost a little bit. So yeah. that's not a bad idea to throw him up forward because he can definitely roost the ball, you know, 55, and 60 even, um, with ease. Even in his, um, back in 2016 when he was playing predominantly forward, he's shown that he can kick a goal. That could be that could be the position for him, I reckon, because, yeah, I, I think he'd be hard-pressed to dislodge stack at the moment. No. <laughs> could you imagine the reaction if they did that? Oh, dear God. Imagine <laughs> the melts. Uh, I'd log off and wouldn't log back in for a week. I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> Uh, and the final one on our list is Nick Vlosten with a hip, and they've got him down as a test. So we, I haven't really heard too much about how he went at training, but um, he's another pivotal part that we need out there for our back line to function so good, properly. especially the um, intercept marking, and that's what we need now, especially if Lance already going down. Yeah, and, and he was filling that role really well, wasn't he? Like When yeah. he was fit and firing, he was intercept marking everything. I mean, people were actually starting to take notice of who he was and how good he actually is. Mm. Yes. Big game this week, Thursday night versus the Crows, who are fifth on the ladder. Uh, we're both on 28 points, but their percentage is 112.4, and we're seventh with a percentage of 94.5, um, which is going to potentially cause us some serious issues down, down the track, unless we can rectify that somehow. 
We've got the bye the following week, and it looks like the boys have been really sort of struggling the last couple of weeks. Do you reckon we've got much left in the tank to pull off a win against the Crows? I Look, I, we've um, been pretty good when we've had our backs against the wall this year. But I'm still not... This could go either way, because, you know, as you said, we're both on 28 points. We've had some good wins, and we've had some, like, Adelaide coming off the win against GWS. That was very good for them. That was yeah. um, coming off being... Um, outsiders um but and they've also had some pretty bad losses but i think i suppose we are probably in this especially if it's raining is that is that forecasted is it it's meant to rain um, there was some talk about some rain potentially coming yes i don't know how how much the chance was but that was people were getting hyped about that in the um preview thread so there'll be, be a lot of rain dancers out there <laughs> trying yes. to bring this rain on i think you're right that plays a big part and if I'm Adelaide and I'm looking at the kind of list that we're bringing to the game in our last couple of games, I think we've lost by a combined total of 100 points or something like that. You're going to be wanting blood. You're going to see there's a weakness, the confidence is down, and I'd be shocked if they didn't come out all guns blazing, assuming um, that they can just blow us off the park. Yes, definitely, especially with our injuries and their tall forward line. Yeah, and the tall forward line, you're spot on. I had that written down uh, in terms of matchups. And with Asprey not in, that's going to hurt us big time because obviously Garth Waite's going to do his best. But they've got, what, Walker, Jenkins. Uh, Lynch, I don't think, is going to play. I think he hurt his uh, car. I think, I, think I think it's an injury crowd he could play. Okay. I, I mean, obviously very helpful for us if he doesn't because yes. that's one yes. less tall. But they've still got Fogarty who come in as well. Who's, I know he's only young, but he's got a bit of size on him. Um. Oh wait, no. Once two weeks for Lynch. Oh, okay. Oh, that that definitely helps our cause then, because otherwise we were just going to get stretched again. It'd almost be a carbon copy of the Geelong game if um. Yeah, definitely. If he was in, we talked about the contested ball numbers before, which is something we've got to fix. What kind of mix of personnel? What do you think we have to do against the Crows to try and rectify this? Um, should we go for the tag? It worked in the grand final with um my favourite Jack Graham. Um, taking Sloan out of the game, I think that's really the only way we can get that, especially when you've got the Crouch brothers and Sloan who both who have all been in pretty good form. I think you just need to hope, get one out, and hopefully it affects them all. Well, the Crouch brothers um, had 27 contested possessions between them last week, which is quite a high number. Um, and you're right, we have to try and stop one of them to or Sloan. And like you said, Jack Graham's done it before, but for some reason we've kind of steered away from really tagging anyone this year, yeah, which has kind a, of led us down, though, I think, because there's been... You look at the Collingwood game, for example. Oh, no one went within 10 metres of side bottom and he killed us, and yeah, it happens that, that, every week. Yeah, that happened too in the prelim, too. No one um, no one put any pressure on them and it completely killed us. For some reason, we don't like to tag, and I'm not sure why. And it doesn't even have to be a tag in the traditional sense where you don't focus on the ball yourself. Just be a lot more aware of where the person is and make sure you've got body on them and keeping goal side and all that kind of stuff. Just Mm -hmm. the basic things. I'm not sure why we steer away from doing that. Um, The other matchup from our our backline perspective is Grimes on bets. Now, in years gone by, I feel like Grimes has done a pretty good job on all the small fours. He's had to play on like Toby Green, Eddie Betts, um, mm. those kind of guys. But Betts has found a pretty rich vein of form lately, kicking goal of the year week after week. He's an absolute superstar. Yes. It, and this is the only reason why it's good that Lynch isn't playing, because it actually does allow Grimes to play this role properly. 
Yeah, well, the, the other thing is, though, because of our injuries, will Grimes go on someone um, like a Walker or like a Jenkins because we don't have anyone else out there, I suppose. But if he is on bets, I, I would assume that Grimes would win that like he's done countless times um, over the years. I suppose you're right. If they've got the other tall in there, he may have to just by default play one of them unless Broad comes in. Um, maybe he might be he might play one of those kind of roles, but he's not really physically suited to play on a Walker or a Jenkins. I don't think he'd get ragdolled. I think too much. No, I thought he's played all right in some of the tall forwards before. Um, yeah, I remember he did okay on Buddy Franklin for yeah, patches right. when we played the Swans. That's right. Yeah, but it's all about if he does get brought in. Well, and there's a few guys who put their hand up. I mean, early indications suggest that Alice is available and right to come back in. Okay. Um, Broad, it sounded like from Dimmer's press conference he was available, but he played in the VFL. I'm not sure how he went, but it didn't sound convincing. And then Bolton, I think, had a, a day out in the VFL again. And this is maybe the third or fourth time he's done this the week he's been dropped in the VFL. He's played an absolute blinder. And credit to him for doing it. I think he had 20-odd possessions and 11 tackles. Um, but I think it's because he's playing in the midfield in the VFL, and it'd be, it'd be interesting to see him play more v, um, midfield minutes in the AFL team if that's where he's most comfortable. But yeah, and that or Sydney Stack even because he was playing in that last quarter, he was playing in the midfield, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Who goes out though? Say if Alice and Bolton at a minimum come in, is it Townsend and Butler? Yeah, that's who I'll be going with. Um, Townsend pretty much had no impact. Um, on on Friday, unfortunately, and Butler, as we said, killed the momentum. So you would imagine that he'll get punished, and he hasn't really done anything since he's come in. You, what about Rioli? I, I know everyone loves Rioli, and I love him as yeah. well, but his form hasn't been fantastic. And from all reports, he's Good really point. low on confidence. And I know that probably means that dropping him is not the right message to send, but you've got to pick your best 22 at the end of the day. And I mean, if you had to pick between Rioli or Butler to play, who would you be picking? It's uh, a good question. I would probably pick Rioli because we know um, it's not. I don't hate Butler guys, don't worry. Um, but um, we know like he can he can do some freakish stuff. Maybe if that happens on a you know against the grind in Adelaide, this could boost him up to you know get back into form. Yeah, it's, I, I agree with you. I think you would still take Rioli. Um... I don't know, I think he's just got a better body of work overall. It's true, he hasn't really done anything outstanding. You know, he's just been another one of those players that have been in the lower part of our our performances recently. And even if he had a, a specific role, maybe, to get his confidence back up, I mean, Rory Laird is a big rebounding defender for the Crows. Mm. And, I mean, there's no doubt that Real is going to have the pace to go with him. So maybe even if they gave him... a a defensive forward role just so he can really get that hunger back and hunting the man, hunting the ball and, and cause Intentate. a bit of chaos that yes. way. Yeah, well, that could be a good thing too because I don't think it's light. I'm not too sure if the light is speedy or not, but definitely if we can get a light or a butler even on them, we know they're fast and we know that speed can kill. Well, even on the wing for Rioli, he was playing well there last season for yeah. Yeah, hopefully he just finds that little bit, of, that little trigger to get his form back because when he's up and about, he's definitely one of our best. Yeah. And the, I suppose the big matchup from a forward line perspective for us will be Lynch versus Talia and all four other defenders if we keep bombing <laughs> it in high. Um, 
do we want do we need lynch to get on his bike and lead up i think as supporters that's what we want to see but i don't know if that's what the coaches want him to do because i think structurally it might hurt us yeah well at the moment i would imagine not because as we said he's not revolt he can't he's not really that player that goes up forward and has an impact he's more the traditional full forward um but that's that's a hard one we know that lynch you know can respond to criticism we've seen that happen a couple of times this year and there was a game over in Adelaide against Port where he kicked six or seven, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully we see one of those performances again, but it's going to be hard on Talia, who is probably one of the better defenders, tall defenders in the league yeah. currently. No, he's very good. And if, <laughs> and if we keep just dropping it in on Lynch's head, he's going to yeah, have a lot of support to cut it no. out. All right, before we finish up, we'll get a, a tip including margin. Uh, you can go first. What do you? What's the result going to be? As I said, I think this could go either way in terms... I don't think either team's been overly impressive over the last week. I suppose Adelaide Mini you know, GWS is pretty impressive, but I'll go with us by five. That's about five points or goals? Yeah. Five, five points. Five not points? That, not that confident, uh, no. Uh, I don't know. I... I'd love to see us win, especially against the Crows over there, but our form line just doesn't suggest we've got it in us to go for four quarters. I reckon it could be a carbon copy of last week. They'll be up for the fight in the first quarter, but I just fear that it could get ugly unless it rains, like you said before. So I'll say the Crows by about 20 to 25 points, as much as that kills me to say, but yeah, I, I just think it's got danger written all over it but to be fair though and that aside i think we've done a really good job to be in the position we're in with the plays we've got out to still be in the eight i don't think anyone would have picked that if you read the injury list and how long everyone's been out for so and it shows um we're getting play of um we're getting play of um criticism during the off season that we're trading way our depth well it shows that we've got pretty good depth and they're first in the vfl currently i do believe exactly Um, right and that, that amazes me as well like you said they're all playing up in the ones and the whoever's coming into the VFL team is doing their role and, and everyone's stepping up there too. So look, long term, we're definitely going to be better off for what we're oh, going through now. But at the same time, I still personally haven't written off the season yet because the, the last stretch of games, we get all these guys back in, build some team chemistry. You just never know. Like if we can get it to click at the right time and Hardwick seems to think our best football is yet to come, we still could cause some damage. Yeah, well, as you said, this could go either be like a 2016 sort of thing when we're getting games into some of our younger players or we can come storming home during the second half of the year. And realistically, if we do come storming home, we'll be hitting form at the right time. It's not going to be yeah. like last year. We probably we're going too early. too early and then we sort of tail off, which is kind of like what Geelong are doing, which is good. Yeah. Um, what did Chris Scott say last year? They can be beaten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they might run into the same issues we did. But, yeah, if we can time our run, and I know part of me thinks that the club deep down feel like that they can do that. And I've said it before, but if we finish in the eight I, and we've got a full list available, I don't fear playing anyone in, no. the, in that eight anywhere if we've got a full list. I would back us to be a good chance to beat anyone. Yeah, definitely. I think we can. We've seen now that teams outside of the um, outside of the four can win the flag, even with the Bulldogs in 2016. They yep. get formed straight away in that time when they needed to. So no, I, I back ourselves, and if we do make finals, if still be up in the air currently. It is, and if we do, I think we'll see the number 18 running around, which would cause quite a stir for opposition supporters. And the number 50 with um, Pickett, that that could be. 
Imagine that game. Imagine that as a wild card. I can pick yeah. it out there and he just runs right. That'd be so good. Yeah, so, that would be something to see. Absolutely. And a, a reminder, the game's on Thursday night. on uh, Where are we? 7.50pm in Adelaide. So make sure if you're not going, we all tune in and watch that one. And uh, don't say anything stupid over there because you might get kicked out. Just Thank don't you too loud, guys. It's treated like a tennis match. Make sure you're quiet just in between bits of play. Uh, just to be real safe. Yeah, it's we're turning into the opera crowds. Do your little um, little um, claps like that on your hands. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's getting out of control. All right, to Jester, T Jester, whichever way it goes. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate your time, and uh, fingers crossed the Tigers can get up this week. Thanks for having me once again, Michaels, and go Tigers. Okay. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!